You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Monday to you, and thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen Every day, the Buffalo Bills fell 33-27 to in overtime to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I'll be honest, reacting to this game is difficult for me. Not necessarily because it was a heartbreaking loss in overtime where the Bills once again had numerous chances to win the game. It's foiling all the layers of this loss together because it can lead you in so many different directions And all of those directions play off each other. In the first half of the game, the game was everything you feared it would be. In the second half of the game, the team showed a ton of fight and resilience, and they made great adjustments. And kind of lasering in on fight and resilience, those are things that I believe this team has lacked all season. And then you have that other layer of there being so many different game-changing calls by the referees that were absolutely disgraceful, and you know that I am the last person on earth to blame officials, but the Bucks, they got a ton of help from the refs in this one, and the Bills, they were the victims of some egregious calls and non-calls. So talking about this game with all those dynamics being true creates some challenges. So as we work through things I liked and didn't like from this game, just keep that in mind because this team overcame a lot on Sunday and things inside and outside of their control made a massive impact on the result of the game. So let's start with things I liked and I think you have to laser in on the second half. The Bills made terrific adjustments both offensively and defensively. Josh Allen put the team on his back. They showed a lot of fight. They showed a lot of resilience. They outscored Tampa Bay 24-3 over the last 30 minutes of regulation. And it was a really impressive comeback to tie that thing up and have multiple chances to win the game. Now let's get more specific and focus in on Josh Allen. All the competitive toughness that we love about Josh Allen was on full display. He carried the team. He put them on their back, completed 36 of 54 passes, 308 passing yards, two touchdowns. He did have the interception, 12 rushes for 109 yards and a rushing touchdown. He was responsible for all three touchdowns and 87% of the Bills' offense. He carried this team. Five different receivers caught at least five passes. The team struggled to handle the blitz early in the contest. There was protection issues. There was a lack of sight adjustments by receivers. He played hurt late in the game and still put this team in position to win. I'm not sure you could have asked more out of 17 than what he gave on Sunday. Like I mentioned, five different receivers caught at least five passes. So I liked how reliable the pass catchers were In this game, Stephon Diggs, seven catches, 74 yards. Cole Beasley, nine catches, 
64 yards. Dawson Knox, seven catches, 60 yards, and a touchdown. How about Gabriel Davis? Five receptions, 43 yards, and a touchdown. He continues to step up for this team. Emmanuel Sanders got hurt. Davis filled in opposite of Diggs and played well. He continues to step up for this team, and as that continues to happen, I'm sure he'll get more and more opportunity. And he started slow this year. He finished slow late last year, but he's starting to come on. How about Devin Singletary coming up with six catches for 37 yards? So I think for the most part, we should be very satisfied with how reliable the Bills' top options were in the passing game and how Josh Allen got him going. To finish out the offensive side of things and things I liked, I just think the team adjusted well. They came out with a pass-heavy script, right? It was a an entire first half where the Bills did not run the football with a running back. I thought it was the right approach given how good Tampa Bay is at stopping the run. And then they came back in the second half with some very effective run plays that helped slow down that Tampa Bay pass rush and They took advantage of some good box counts. They got Josh Allen going in the run game, 19 rushes, 173 yards and a touchdown overall running the football. Now, I know a lot of that came from Josh Allen, but it was the type of rushing performance that was necessary against that defense and how they want to play you. Shifting gears to the defense under things I liked, I appreciate how they bowed up in the second half. Held Tampa Bay to three points in the second half, and they gave the offense a chance to come back in this game. Let me shout out some players that I thought on the defensive side of the football played well. Dane Jackson filling in for Tredavious White, the first real game where he was tested. Of course, the first start was the Patriots game, and you know they threw the ball three times. This was Dane Jackson's first real test, and I thought he played well. Extremely competitive at the catch point. He tackled well in the run game. I thought he played well. Thought Matt Milano played well. They got him going on some blitzes. Had him playing in coverage. He was the matchup linebacker. The Bills paid him to be. Thought Ed Oliver was really good in this game. Extremely active. Reset the line of scrimmage. Some really good penetration plays. And he was in the backfield. I think... Harrison Phillips is continuing a strong year and he's having to play quite a bit here with Star Latulale just being unavailable for a lot of this season. Jordan Poyer, big-time plays in coverage, some big-time tackles. And I think Tremaine Emmons played well. He really matched the physicality of a guy like Leonard Fournette and a guy like Rob Gronkowski. Some really big-time tackles in space and Helps set the tone there a bit on defense. And then, of course, Eli Anquo coming up with a sack. We were kind of waiting in that game for a Bills defensive lineman to win a battle and get off a block and make a a tackle in the backfield. And Eli Anquo delivered, being called up off the practice squad. And, you know, I continue to be extremely disappointed by Vernon Butler. Got a couple of practice squad defensive tackles that are activated in playing over him, and let's face it, they're making more of an impact than Vernon Butler can. So, obviously, I love the way the defense played in the second half, and I thought those players in particular were standouts on the defensive side of the football. 
I like how the Bills' special teams played in this game. Tyler Bass, perfect on all five of his kicks. Two field goals, three extra points. Matt Hawk had his best game ever with the team for sure. I thought four of his six punts were very good. He did have two bad punts, but a good punt rate of 66% is something I think we would all take from Matt Hawk. And I thought the team did well to cover kicks and punts. They got down the field, made tackles. They gave uh, the kick coverage unit several opportunities to pin them inside the 25, and I thought they played well. Now, I've got two more things to mention under things I liked, but I'm going to save them for later in the podcast, so stay tuned for that. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part? There's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right, let's dig into things I didn't like. And I got to be honest, the thing I don't like right now is my voice. I'm struggling right here. I'm sure you guys can tell. Uh, by the the way I sound, it's not very familiar, and I'm powering through right now. I got to be honest; I felt fine all day long, and somewhere between the end of that game and the hour or two that I took to kind of put together my notes for the podcast, something has gone south with my voice. I feel fine, but it is just not coming out like it normally does. So I don't know if I've got some vocal fatigue or what, but I am not liking the way that my voice sounds right now, but we're going to power through and I'm going to get my thoughts out here for you on this game. And I want to start with under things I didn't like some of these game changing sequences. And I want to talk through some of this game with you, some very specific plays and moments and sequences overall. And my objective here is to work through it. And by the end, get to a central point. So stick with me here and let's uh, relive some of these moments. And let's start with the second drive of the game for Tampa Bay. As you will probably recall, the Bills and Bucks they exchanged punts on their first drive. And the Bucks got the ball first, they punted, the Bills got the ball second, and they punted, and it was a bad punt from Matt Hawk, a 33-yard net punt, and the Bucks took over at the 33-yard line. They're driving. It gets down to a second and 10 from the Tampa Bay 48. Again, the Bucks have the football. And on that second and 10 play, Tom Brady throws an incomplete pass to set up a third and 10. Well, wait a minute. Nope. Taron Johnson is flagged for defensive holding. The announcer said it was Jordan Poyer, but he didn't touch a soul on the play, and I think they were intending to call it on Taron Johnson. Objectively, it wasn't a hold, but they called it a hold. The Bucs get a free first down, and instead of it being third and 10, it's first and 10. And what happens? 
a 47-yard touchdown run by Leonard Fournette. I didn't like the holding call. I thought it was a bad call. And I don't like getting gashed for another long touchdown run, but it goes back to if that penalty wasn't called, which I don't think it should have been, it's third and 10. And we probably never see that Leonard Fournette touchdown run. Let's keep going here. The Bills respond with a punt. Tampa Bay gets a field goal. The Bills are down 10 to 0. 1336 left in the second quarter. The Bills are driving, and they're driving well. They punted on their first two possessions, but they're moving the football. It's first and goal from the 10. They get it down to the three. It's third and goal from the three. Incomplete pass, and the Bills settle for a 21 yard field goal. I understand the idea of getting it down to a one-possession game, but I was hopeful to see an aggressive decision by Coach McDermott since the offense was finally moving, right? They finally got going after two punts to start the game, and it felt like it was going to be a game where you needed points. And if you don't get the touchdown, the worst-case scenario is that Tampa Bay takes over at the three-yard line. But the Bills settle for a 21-yard field goal. The next possession for Tampa Bay, they take over, up 10-3, 9.28 left in the second quarter. They're driving. They get a 23-yard pass. They hit an 18-yard pass. And it gets down to a third and five from the Bills' 29. And we're all watching this game. We're praying to hold them to a field goal. Third and five again from the 29. Incomplete pass. Nope. Pass interference on Dane Jackson. A call I firmly disagree with. He played the ball. His arm got stuck. It was a ticky-tack call at best that went the Bucs' way. They get a free first down. And then the Bills actually get him down to a third and five again on the same drive. And this time... It's from the 13-yard line. Tom Brady throws an absolute dime to Mike Evans, who goes up and gets it for a touchdown. So a free first down as a result of a bad pass interference call on Dane Jackson. And then Tom Brady makes a crazy good throw to the six foot five Mike Evans, who goes up and gets the football and makes a ridiculous catch. Suddenly, it's 17-3 with 7-11 left in the first half. How do the Bills respond? With a punt. The Bucks responded to the Bills' punt with a 10-play, 72-yard touchdown drive, and suddenly the Bills are down 24-3. Okay, the Bills take over, 129 left in the first half, down 24-3. We're all praying for a double dip, right? You get the ball At the end of the first half, you get the ball first in the second half. You think a couple touchdown drives, and you got a chance. It's first and five from the Bills' 40-yard line. The Bills have the ball, and this is when Josh Allen's interception comes. Wasn't a good decision with the football. Great play by Richard Sherman to snag it, and you come away with no points. So we're hoping for the double dip. They don't even get a dip. Now, somehow, both teams managed to punt in the last minute of the half, and the Bills enter halftime down 24-3. to 
Remember how you felt at that moment? We're all in the dumps after that first half performance. You're questioning everything about this team. And now it's time for the second half. The Bills get the ball first. And eventually it's fourth and two from the Bills' 45-yard line. Again, the Bills have the ball. Fourth and two from the 45. And again, we all want that aggressive decision by Sean McDermott in this type of game where you're down 21 on the road against the defending world champions. And oh, by the way, they got Tom Brady as their quarterback. Well, they went for it, kind of, but it was a fake punt and a fake punt where Tampa Bay was not fooled at all. In fact, they had their starting defense on the field. It was punt safe. If you're going to go for it on a fourth and two from the 45, how about you do it with Josh Allen and your offense? Now, fortunately, it didn't cost the Bills in terms of how the defense responded because Tampa Bay turned the ball over on downs. But I sure would have liked to seen the rest of that drive if you gave Josh Allen and the offense an opportunity to convert the fourth and two and not a fake punt where Tampa Bay was not fooled even a little. They had their punt safe unit on the field. So like I said, after the failed fake punt, Tampa Bay turns the ball over on downs and the Bills respond nicely. A touchdown drive, nine plays, 81 yards. Josh Allen touchdown run. It's 24 to 10. The Bucks punt. The Bills get the ball back. Again, down 24 to 10, 433 left in the third quarter to start the drive. And eventually it's fourth and three from the Bills 45. And another McDermott decision to punt and not be aggressive. Another opportunity to give Josh Allen and the offense a chance to convert, show them some confidence. You're down 14. There's 20 minutes left in the game. Would have been a good opportunity to go for it. They didn't. They punted. The Bucs respond with a field goal. All of a sudden, you're down 27 to 10. The Bills respond with a touchdown. Okay, cool. 27 to 17. The Bucs punt. The Bills score a touchdown. It's 27 to 24. The Bucs punt again, and the Bills take over. Here we are, down three, two minutes, 43 seconds left in regulation. After so much went wrong, here is your chance to win this thing. It's a great drive. The offense is humming. Started at the 23-yard line. They have it down inside the Tampa Bay 10. It's third and two from the seven. It's a beautifully placed ball by Josh Allen to Stephon Diggs for the game-winning touchdown. Nope. Incomplete. Diggs was absolutely interfered with. It was clear from every angle. It should have been first and goal from the one. Instead, you have to settle for a game-tying 25-yard field goal. All right, well, it's tied. Overtime, you're still in it. Got a chance to win. In fact, you get the ball first. And despite everything that went wrong, the Bills again have another chance to win the game. They go three and out. But the third and four incomplete pass to Stephon Diggs was once again absolutely pass interference. The Bucs defender literally 
pulled Stefan Diggs and twisted him away from the ball out of his break. No call. Incomplete pass. The Bills punt. I mean, they're getting robbed here, right? This is ridiculous. Now, Matt Hawk, he unleashes a beauty. 63-yard net punt. The Bucs take over at their own six. And they get it down to a third and one. Generous spot on that Leonard Fournette run to give him a first down. They reviewed it. The call stands. Another officiating blunder in my mind. The next play, it's first and 10. An absolute garbage pass interference call on Levi Wallace on an underthrown ball by Tom Brady intended for Mike Evans. Terry McCauley, former longtime NFL referee, he tweeted out, Regarding the play, quote, this is not defensive pass interference. The receiver creates the contact. It is especially noteworthy given what was not called late in regulation on the Buffalo third and two play. Objectively, it was a bad call. Objectively, the three missed Pass interference calls against Stefan Diggs were objectively egregious. They gave the Bucs a free 20 yards, and three plays later, the game-winning 58-yard touchdown pass to Brashad Perriman. The Bucs ran mesh. The Bills were in cover one. The pressure call was designed to get pressure in Brady's face. I think he held on to the ball for around four seconds, which is fairly notable. You'd like to get pressure by then. The coverage was locked. It looked like Levi Wallace might have called for a pass off. Dane Jackson obviously didn't get that call. And based on Sean McDermott's comments, it sounded like he wanted Tremaine Edmonds to cap Perriman's route. Didn't happen. Perriman gets free. He's got 4-3 speed. And he's streaking down the field, and the Bills lose. I went through all of that to reiterate how slim the margins are in the NFL. Whether you are upset with Sean McDermott, the offensive line, the running backs, the run defense, pass rush, not getting a turnover, whatever your grievances are, you're upset with Brandon Bean, you wish he would have hit on Zach Moss or Devin Singletary, and you're mad that two second-round picks were inactive in this game, The Bills had so many chances to win this game, and there are plenty of things within their control and outside of their control, wink, wink, officiating, that decided this game. A game on the road against the defending world champions with Tom Brady as their quarterback. That's the best team in the NFL for my money, and the margins are slim. It's a good reminder, right? You probably feel some type of way about this team being 7-6, and six, fighting for a playoff spot, not meeting the expectations everyone had for them. They're 0-5 in one-score games this year. The margins are slim. So whatever your grievances are for this team, just keep that in mind. As I see all kinds of wide-ranging takes and opinions on this team, as so many people are trying to come through with their I told you so's and dunk on so many different things, the Bills had every chance to win that game. The margins in the NFL are slim.
Some other quick-hitting things that I didn't like. We'll start with the offense. I don't like going 2 of 13 on third down. I don't like two field goals of 25 yards or less. Did not like that interception. And obviously, I didn't like how much Josh Allen got hit in this game. Three sacks, 11 quarterback hits, and of course, the 12 rushing attempts. Just a a ton of hits on your quarterback. Defensively, don't like allowing them to go 8 of 16 on third down, giving up 26 first downs, 33 points, 488 total yards, and you couldn't come away with a takeaway. To sum it up, things I didn't like, bad officiating, bad situational football, and a lack of aggressiveness from the coaching staff. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar, Built Bar. Filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs and fat, and high in protein. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. So many flavors you'll have a hard time choosing. Will you have raspberry or mint brownie, cherry or double chocolate, cookies and cream or peanut butter? There are so many great flavors, and you got to try these things. They they give you that extra fuel that you need to get through this holiday season. Maybe you're friends with Santa. Well, if you are, tell Santa to throw a few built Bars in those stockings with so many flavors they'd make anyone's Christmas morning a happy one. I've got a deal for you. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Bet Online has you covered all season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to their new updated website and sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKED ON to receive that bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, and bet online is where the game starts. All right, let's close out the podcast today with a little roundup of sorts, talking about what's next for the Bills, where they're at, what's next for this podcast. And of course, I told you I had two more things that I liked. Let's get to those right now. Number one on the two more things that I liked is I am in town this week. I am back in Western New York for Bills versus Panthers on Sunday. We're coming in on Friday. We'll be there through Monday, leaving on Tuesday. And I'm very excited to share with you, if you haven't seen already on Twitter, that I am participating in a live podcast. It will be Friday night, December 17th, 7 p.m., at Sunny Reds in Lackawanna. I'm teaming up with the Shout Podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. They do a fantastic job, and we're going to do a live podcast for you. We have some giveaways lined up, but mostly we just want to hang out and meet as many of you as possible. And so I hope that you will consider coming out again, Sunny Reds, Friday night, December 17th, 7 p.m. I'm teaming up with the Shout Podcast for a live event, and I want to meet as many of you as possible. Number two, under the extended things that I liked, 
I know that so many are trying to find all the doom and gloom imaginable regarding this team, and I definitely agree that a lot of that is earned. But despite the inconsistency, despite an 0-5 record in one-score games, the Bills are still in good shape for the postseason. Got three left at home, Carolina, Atlanta, and the Jets. Patriots on the road. You go 3-1, and one, and I would be shocked if they don't make the playoffs. If you go 4-0, oh, you not only make the playoffs, but you've got a really good chance at winning the division. And so when you consider your final four games include three at home against the Panthers, Falcons, and Jets, and one on the road against the Patriots, I'd be surprised if they don't win three or four of those games. According to the playoff odds machine over at the New York Times, if the Bills go 4-0, and they have a 100% chance at qualifying for the playoffs. If they go 3-1, and including a loss to the Patriots, they have an 87% chance of making the playoffs. The Bills are still in it. The Bills are 7-6. They're in second place in the AFC East, and they hold the number 7 seed in the AFC playoffs. Yes, the Bills are still in the playoffs if the season ended today. New England is atop the division. They're 9-4. They had their bye week this week. Miami is 6-7. They're in third place, and they were also on their bye week. And their next two games are against the Jets and Saints. And, of course, you know they've won their last five. The Jets, they're 3-10. As for what's next for this podcast, Tomorrow is Herd Mentality. Wednesday will be our comprehensive primer on the Carolina Panthers. We'll get you ready for that game from every angle. And then, of course, Thursday is our crossover preview with my buddy Julian Council of Locked On Panthers. I am looking forward to that discussion. I'm looking forward to my voice bouncing back tomorrow. I sure hope so because this would be a rough stretch here to uh, not be able to talk the way that I'm used to talking. So, all the positive thoughts that you could extend my way for my voice. I'd certainly appreciate it. I do hope that you will take a second to rate, review, and share the podcast. I hope you have a great rest of your Monday, and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.